0: All right, here we go. This is the Jim Huber Show. I haven't seen a more disappointing lineup since the last Lakers game. Opinions expressed on the Jim Huber Show are not those of breakthrough basketball, its management, any affiliates, or any other sane human beings for that matter. These are Jimmy's opinions that come from Jimmy's head. Hey, this is
1: (laughs) a podcast with Jim by himself.
0: And I'm looking right into the camera, and I'm going to see it again. You do not want to make an enemy out of me. I'm not having it. Mm. (laughs) Lighten up, Francis. (laughs) Chuck, Chuck, you got (laughs) me. Ready to go rock and roll. Big Jimmy, you got a special guest for us
1: today, brother. We do. We got a champion. champion. A champion on the phone. Coach Ben McCallum at Northwest Missouri State. They just won the national championship of Division II this past year. And their football team did it, too. They're the only school in Division II history that's done it in the same year, calendar year. Coach, you there? You got us?
2: Yep, absolutely. Thanks a lot for having me.
1: Hey, Coach, I do want to get into this. Now, the Bearcat way. What is the Bearcat way? And I know you're big on culture, and that's a word that's used a lot. What is that way, and what is the culture that you really reinforce in that program?
2: When we first got the job, uh, what my objective and, and our objective as a staff was to get as many good people as we could possibly get and put them in positions to be successful and, and get them to buy into those roles. And so uh, when we first started, you know, I think the first year we were oh, maybe 10, 12 wins, and in the second year – we actually got worse my second year as far as wins go, but I felt like we got better as far as the culture goes and just started to get some of those right pieces in the right positions. As far as the, the Bearcat way, as far as our, our culture goes, what I've always tried to strive for is is kids that are, are winners, number one. So we, we like to find kids that win state championships with their high school teams. We, we've always loved that. Um, the one thing that we look at is is a kid moody and and if he's moody we don't take him cuz we like positive people uh, that infect others with their positive energy and we feel like that that builds your culture where people are excited to show up every day uh, excited to have fun excited to compete and excited to be around each other and and that to me uh, leads to leads to wins and, and leads to I guess you'd call energy and so that, that's what we've done.
1: So is it is it something that you when you're evaluating a kid during a game or practices or you evaluate certain things and pick up on that or is that you know questions that you get into with their coach uh, with people at the school I mean how do you find that information out to make sure he is the right fit for to be a bearcat?
2: well we we do it both ways. I guess the first thing would would be to watch them and and we watch every aspect of the game. we watch how they come to the bench, we watch how they interact, we watch you know uh, when they're down, how do they respond um, we 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 watch the timing of their passes we watch so many different things as far as their unselfishness goes and then and then obviously their game can they shoot can they can they pass can they dribble? can they do all those different things um and then. One question we ask is because you know you can ask a general statement, and most coaches are going to like the kids that they coach. What we try to ask is, and, and we word it like this: "Is hey, coach, we want your kid to be successful after your school. So it's important that, that you're honest with us. And and the one thing that'll get you essentially on the bench or, or not playing a lot or, or even out of our program is." if one day you're in a good mood and then the next you're in a bad mood. <laughs> and so we, we call them energy vampires, and I guess that would be a term stolen from the energy bus, but but um, we just I, I just have never been able to have success with kids that are moody. And so we ask it uh, of those coaches and say, hey, I, it's very important that you're honest or your kid's not going to have a good – successful career at Northwest and, and generally they're honest at that point. You know, hey, yeah, he's had some days and we just cross him off the list and, and with the understanding that we want that kid to be successful too.
0: Same question we asked Matt Keeley the other day, though. Are you okay with like a moody seven-foot kid?
2: Uh, no, I don't like any of them. Well,
1: that's good.
0: <laughs> that's what I've heard about you. You know, it's
1: funny because I did, I talked to Dre Stars a little bit and I was visiting with him, just kind of diving in more about you and he told me he goes. Listen, Coach. If if a kid is got a full ride scholarship to the University of Missouri, and he, everybody says he's a high major, or this type of talent or whatever, and if he comes in and Coach watches him and doesn't think he fits with what we're doing or is not as good as what he thinks he really is, he won't take him. And he said that. And the other thing he mentioned too, he said that your favorite book he thinks is the Energy Bus, and he says that Coach McCollum is is positive. He is a very positive guy, and he said that, tell me this, you practice, if a kid comes into practice, and if he's negative, it doesn't matter if he's a starter or your best player. He said, you'll put him on the scout team, you'll put him on the sideline, you'll put him in areas to be like, hey, we do not tolerate that.
2: That's very accurate, and, again, I appreciate Dre saying those things. But, yeah, the um, we when we bring kids in, so the first part of the kind of question is when we bring kids in, we're probably very particular to a fault, meaning we'll, we'll pass on kids and and just hope that we can find somebody else later. I think it drives my assistants crazy because, well, back to the drawing board, you got to go find a different player. Um, the talent piece, I think that everybody in our conference in the MIAA has has talent. I think you're going to be able to find Division II talent pretty consistently throughout the year and, and even throughout the summer. And so... Um, you don't want to necessarily panic and take kids just because that, that talent piece is there, Um, you know, and and I learned that early on just making sure that, you know, I was, I mean, I was a year away from losing my job essentially. And so I kind of had to trust that we were taking the right kids and we were taking um, the talented kids, I'm sorry, the, the, the intangible talent type kids. And so that's what we, our program I mean, I went and watched a kid that airballed three free throws and offered him a $4,000 scholarship after I watched him because he was tough. And he ended up playing 15 minutes a game throughout his career and won a bunch of conference championships and sweet 16s. And, but I thought he had that intangible talent, you know, that could help our whole culture, our whole program. As far as the second piece, yeah, it's, it, it's never, for me, I don't know – You know, some coaches won't get after their best players or the, you know, or worst players or whoever it may be. Everybody is fair game. And and it doesn't matter if you're the best player or the worst player. It's, I'm going to, if you're not ready to go, if you have a bad attitude, I'm going to see it the second you walk on the floor. And, and, yeah, we're going to try to correct it. And um, whether it's running laps the whole practice while everybody practices or, or going to scout team or just, me correcting you, um, you know, every it's going to be corrected, and we're going to make sure that um, we're not going to allow it. We're not going to let it go. Um, that's that's not how we are. And there's certain things that we will let go, but as far as not bringing energy to a practice, I think that's as selfish as it gets because the only person you're thinking about is yourself. And and hey, you no, know, I had a bad day. Hey, I scored bad on this test, or hey, I'm just I'm just tired and sore, and I don't feel like going. So. I'm going to suck the life out of practice, well, we consider that selfish, and, and we make sure to eliminate any selfishness right away.
0: Let's talk about your point guard, Justin Pitts, the player of the year. Uh, uh, he could play on any level now, I think. He's that good. He's, he's great. Nobody knew out of high school. You, you were talking to him, MNU was talking to him, and I think Graceland was looking at him. And mm-hmm. what did you see that the other schools didn't see?
2: Well, I'm going to be honest. I didn't see it right away either. You gave uh, him a
0: partial,
1: didn't you? Didn't you offer yeah, him a partial? Yeah. yeah,
2: we went and watched, and my assistant watched some stuff. My I had a graduate assistant at the time who so was unbelievable at evaluating talent, and uh, he didn't like him either. My assistant did, and part of it was uh, Jimmy Kane yeah. just was convinced, and and it was, and I think he might have been uh, my assistant's assistant coach in high school, and. Jimmy was like, I hey, uh, trust me. You, you need to take this kid, no doubt, and and just and we trusted his evaluation. So I went and watched him. I think it might have been the Missouri Kansas All Star game, and and we thought he was good then. And I was like, okay, well, let's bring him in. And we had him play. Boy, it was late April, and he hadn't done anything. And, and his grades, uh, as far as his ACT, wasn't wasn't great at the time. And so, um, you know, I'm not sure academically he was. Quite there, but um, right on that cusp. And, and so we brought him in and uh, he played and uh, played really well. We had Zach Schneider in the same day or our stretch four. They they were just running a little pick and pop action and they just had this, um, you know, they were able to connect on the floor really well. And, and so we offered Zach a full scholarship and Justin a, a partial scholarship. And fortunately, he took it, came in and and that first year, we had another point guard that's playing professionally in Italy right now uh, who was an All-American. And so Justin redshirted and wanted to redshirt. I mean, he wanted to. He he was, when we offered him the scholarship, he said, Coach, can I redshirt? I said, yeah. I said, I've never had a kid ask me to redshirt. Um, but that just shows the maturity of him, you know, the level of maturity and understanding that he needed to get better and stronger and those kind of things. But that first year when he redshirted, I mean, there was times it was like, man, if we played these two point guards together, there was absolutely no one that could defend us because we had Dylan Starksle at the time, so mm-hmm. we had a lot of size inside. And but we stuck with it, redshirted him, and then that next year was first team all conference. And so, um, you know, he's he learned a lot from. We had a kid from St. Louis that previous year, and, and St. Louis guards are. Uh, this is a general statement. They're usually they talk a lot. F- They're not shy. They don't have issues with confidence or anything Frosty. like that. Frosty. Yeah, yeah. And and so that was that point guard, Deshaun Cooper's name. I mean, he was he was tough, kind of a bulldog, and and Justin was a little bit more passive, but had a great feel, great IQ.
0: And what was and his I, size, Coach? How big was he? Yeah,
2: 135 pounds, probably five nine, hundred thirty five pounds. Um, he would get he would get bullied some. Um, it forced him to stand up for himself because that guy was coming at him. And and uh, every day he was going to come at him, and, and uh, Justin had to stand up for himself. And and then Justin had to understand how good he was. I don't think Justin ever understood how good he actually was, and that's what Deshaun helped him with a lot, you know, just letting him know, hey, you're pretty good. You know, you're going to be a an all-league and all-American type kid, you just got to believe what whatever you got to see what everybody else sees in you. And, and so it took some time for him to, to understand how good he was as a player and then to play with a little bit of that edge, uh, that Deshaun had. And, um, you know kind of the rest is history he's is, been he's been great ever since amazing is, it,
1: is that part of what comes out I know like dre talked about you have the motto like impose your will what, what is that is that about the toughness of the kids and you bring in and then you have this motto what is that about and how do you instill it in your kids
2: yeah we we got that I think my third year the, I guess the first year we won the league um it comes from I think it's the art of wars it, was, it comes from that book and so we try to impose our will on, on everything, and, and it even stems down to, like, officiating. We it with workouts. So preseason workouts are extremely difficult. We say impose your will. And so if you're tired in a workout and, you know, essentially you put your hands on your knees or, or, or you pout or, or you get a bad attitude, that workout is imposing its will on you. And so we want you to attack that workout and impose your will on that workout, regardless of external circumstances. And so, you know, defensively impose your will on your opponent. We we want to do it to you. We don't want to allow you to run your stuff and, and officiating, you know, it even goes there. If if you get upset with an official's call, that official's call has imposed its will on you and we want to act like that didn't bother us and, and and move on from it, and play through some of those calls, and, and impose your will on those calls. So, it's basically not allowing any external to affect the way you're playing.
1: That's one thing I see in your program is like. You see kids get better at Northwest Missouri State. I've seen that by watching your program, and you know you talk about your workouts, preseason workouts, and. You know, being tough. I know that you also, you know, redshirt kids at times, and, and you'll do that. A, a high percentage of kids sometimes that come in. One kid that didn't get redshirt was Ryan Walty. And my man over here, Troy, is, is loves shooting. And so he read the Sports Illustrated article on, on Ryan, and he's amazed by the
0: 67% that he shot this year. What did you think of the, the shirt that he was wearing at the Royals game? It literally almost cost the Royals the game.
2: Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I love it. I thought, it, I thought he looked great. I thought it showed
0: us. He's imposing his, a huge test, he so. imposing his will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so Ryan, no, he was imposing his will on the camera. So Ryan was intimidated let me set the scene. Ryan no, not, is behind I'm the plate. Ryan's behind the plate. He's it, got it, a powder it. blue Royals jersey yeah. on. He's got it unbuttoned. He looks like the kid next door. He doesn't have a hair <laughs> anywhere on his chest. And Rex, and the, they're like, oh, my God, this is going to distract the reliever. He's going to blow the game. Sure enough, he walks, the guy loads the bases. We get out of it. But uh, he, that was his brush with fame. Was that game? And oh, then he shoots sixty seven percent. How did he do that? Oh my
2: god! I don't know. That's that's unbelievable. I, I've never seen anything. Well, he was about seventy percent halfway through the season. I said, "Golly, this is ridiculous." And he takes great shots. Is, is the first part of it. Uh, I mean, he he. Then all of our kids do. That's why we shoot such a high percentage from three. I think we were the most efficient offense in the country. Um, you know, kids just. That once they find their niche, their role, they try to be great at that. So it's one or two things, you know, and his is shooting. So, you know, we want him anytime he's open, we want him to shoot it, uh, you know, as often as possible. And so um, I think that goes back to the role definition of, of shooting great shots. The other part of that is he works at it. I mean, he'll get on the gun. I have another kid that, that actually – is the all-time leader in the MIAA and three pointers made and he'll get on and, and ryan will get on and they'll shoot 90 percent from three on the gun and it's never below 90 percent and so i mean i can't shoot 90 percent from from layups um and these kids get out there and they just they just work at it and, and so you leave them open it's essentially good, and then if you take great shots on top of that, that's where that percentage goes up that high. And we've always really valued shooting, and, and three-point shooting in particular, because when you have a point guard like we have, you need space on the floor, and, and so those guys stretch it out for us.
1: Here, Here's a quote from Coach McCollum here. Don't shoot it because you're open. Shoot it because it is a great shot.
2: Well, I mean, that's that's what we preach. I think a lot of kids, we say it a lot in practice, is, is – You know, with our kids, a lot of times they'll be open and they'll just shoot it. Well, I'm open, coach. That's a good shot. Well, not necessarily for us, because we want specific shots. Whether it's a driving kick three, um, you know, a three for probably our three best shooters, where it's Justin, uh, Zach Schneider, and Ryan Welke. Where hey, anytime they're open, we that's a shot that we want to take. Even if they're not open, a lot of times that's a shot that we want to take because we feel like their percentage is higher than somebody else that would just shoot it because they're open. Um, and, and, again, that kind of goes back to that impose your will. A lot of times there's a reason you're open. It's called scouting. And so um, we don't necessarily want kids to just take shots because their opponent wants them to take that shot. Um, we want to take the shots that we want and impose our will offensively. So driving kick three. Um, back cut layup, uh, just a drive and score layup. Uh, those types of things are the shots that we're looking for. And if we don't get those shots, then we're going to keep working the offense until eventually we get them.
1: Now, do you, do you define the role for the kids? Do you let them know, like, hey, here's a good shot from you? Do you make them go through, like, a green light shooting type, you know, drills that they got to accomplish to be able to shoot it from certain areas? How do, you, how do you determine that and how do you communicate it to your players?
2: Yeah, you know, we the way we define it is we find the strengths and then any time we see them doing those strengths, what we do is just be super positive with those strengths and then hopefully hopefully they figure that piece out and and understand the things that we want rather than saying, Don't do this, don't do that we try to say, Hey, we want you to do this and any time this happens we want you to do it. More and more and more, where like a Ryan Welty, if he doesn't take an open shot in practice, you're on. That's when I get after him. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, when I,
0: have people asked you, Coach? I mean, like SI and stuff did the article about he may have shot the highest percentage of all time from three for an NCAA player on any level. It, it may be the, the records are kind of sketchy, but he may have done the ultimate. Season, are people asking what did he do something different? Did this kid? So the, what, did he shoot
1: like forty some percent in high school? High school like was
0: forties, and then you know, did he take a thousand shots a day? Did he? Is it something mentally about him that enabled him to be free in the games? How did he do it?
2: Good question. Uh, I think he probably worked on it a little bit more. Um, he eliminated parts of his games that he did in high school. Where in high school he did a lot of posting up, um, a lot of different actions that that he doesn't do here, where here he became more specific in being a stretch four or even a, a, just a wing that, that took drive and kick shots. The other piece is, is um, I think our offense is slow. is probably a little bit better than anybody sees in high school where we have a lot of unselfish kids and the timing of passes is a little bit uh, quicker.
0: So meaning, important. Oh, man, for yeah, shooters, I, if, if you're a bad yeah. passing team, you got no hope.
2: Yeah, and it's interesting how Jet Extra, just half-second timing yeah. of passes and, and how quick the ball moves helps shooting. Uh, the other part of that is Justin Pitts helps that quite a bit, yeah. <laughs> our point guard, so he,
1: <laughs>
0: right. he,
2: he, he helps increase those percentages drastically and, and gets in the paint and causes problems. and. And then that frees up Brian.
1: But I, but I hear Dre tells me this. He said that um, you, you mentioned to the guys, you say, I, I might yell for like three seconds, but after that I forget about it. So don't be afraid to make mistakes.
2: That kind of goes back to that role piece is, is once you find what you're great at, we want you to do it constantly. And we're going to get on you more for when you don't do that, that role uh, consistently um, than we are for mistakes and and so i'm a big we try not to say a whole lot don't do this don't do that and and i think when coaches get out there and they say hey don't take that shot or don't do this or don't don't make that play i think what happens is naturally kids play with a little fear because when you say don't do something there's a hundred other things that they can do and so then they they freeze and they don't understand what they actually are supposed to do. And so we try to define what they're supposed to do rather than consistently saying, Don't do that, don't do this and I think that eliminates a lot of fear, allows guys to play free.
1: Yeah, Troy's about the shooting. I like shooting. Don't get me wrong, but I love defense. And I think like when you can guard and you can rebound, it travels with you. And I watched your team play in the national championship game and I'm telling you, it's like Troy, we talk about filled in your plums. I mean, I was like <laughs> I'm telling you, I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> the, like these guys freaking guard, I man. Plums. I mean, they they don't leave open contested shots, they close the gaps off, they're physical, no second shots. I mean, I was like, That's my kind of guy right there. How you had him playing. So I asked Trey again, I said, Do you guys work on defense much? Because I believe like When you see teams that play defense the way you guys play, you don't just work on defense once in a while. He said you guys work on it every freaking day.
2: Yeah, I would say that's our strength. Now, I think our offense, it seems to be that our offense is so efficient that that from the outside looking in, that's the thing that that is difficult to defend against. But our defense has always been our strength, our thing that we do. We probably spend – I would say 75 to 80% of practice is is defense. And then we have about a, Oh, 20 to 30 minute segment where it's kind of half court offense and, and things of that nature. But yeah, defense that's always been our thing. And we keep it real simple. We only play man. We don't play a second of zone. We don't change things. Uh, It is what it is. Um, We just try to get better and better at, at what we do and, and have that impose your will mentality and, um, you know, just keep it keep it as simple and as basic as possible and just try to be as as tough as possible and do it as well as possible.
1: Yeah, so I, I figure that's the case. Because you see some teams that, like, the coaches get frustrated. Cause like, we're not tough and we can't get stops. And we can't, I'm like, well, how much do you work on it? And, and they are barely even work on, you know, the defensive principles or demand it. So, I'm like, you can't expect it if you don't work on it. So, I,
0: so no I, zone ever, Coach. You don't do any zone ever. There's no situation – it's all man.
2: Yeah, no zone. No, no zone we don't. We can't even have – our zone offensive practice is terrible because our guys be pissed when they have to play zone.
1: Well, the good thing about that is, like, even when I play Troy one-on-one, I, <laughs> I don't play any zone. He wants me to play zone on him, Coach. I won't do it. I'm, like, man-to-man up in him. I'm going to man you.
0: Let me tell you, so Ben, did, <laughs> did you ever have that guy on the team, like the eighth or ninth guy that was the axe murderer guy? That was Jim. Jim was the axe <laughs> He's the there guy you, you bring go. in to put on the star player and just, you know. Hey, hey, there you
1: go. Bearcat time. What is Bearcat time?
2: Uh, it's it came from my old coach, Coach Tapmeyer, and so you just gotta be there ten minutes beforehand. If you're if you're there, you know, our guys will come early on in their careers, they'll be there seven minutes early and we'll be like, Well, you're late and uh Coach, I got seven minutes. Well, we try to get there ten minutes beforehand, and and part of that is is we want guys ready to go right when the workout starts. And so, if you're coming in two minutes beforehand, how concerned are you with that workout?
0: How hard a line is that on the ten minutes? You got an assistant coach that's watching. I mean, is it really a hard line, or
2: not anymore? It was early on. No, not anymore. We didn't have a kid late all season, literally. And that's what we say people always ask what a culture is and and for me it's basically once you develop a culture and establish it, you need to continue to work on it. but it's almost unwritten rules that people understand how they're supposed to act and 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 you know what they're supposed to follow and things of that nature and so um, we've established that early on we had to have more rules and and hold kids accountable to things and and you know, make examples of things. Now, it just kind of takes care of itself.
1: Well, what's the what's the accountability? Well, what happens? Say, you know, Troy doesn't show up and he's five minutes, you know, five minutes before. Why is it always me that's the bad example? <laughs> well, what, what happens then in that situation?
2: We run, we run the whole team. The whole team. So we, yeah, we, we blame it on everybody else and not the individual that's playing. Because our theory is, is I guess it's probably a military thing, is, is, why aren't your teammates looking out for you? When they know, when they're there 15 minutes early, why haven't they reached out and called you? Or they know that you have an issue getting there on time consistently. Uh, why aren't they looking out for you?
0: Does the offender so. run as well, or do you go the full metal jacket and you put the donut in Jim's mouth and have him stand there and watch while we all do push-ups oh, front for runner. his donut? Yeah. Uh,
2: if it gets to that level, then... Eventually, yeah, we'll sit out the one kid and run everybody else.
0: Private so, pile gets yeah. the donut,
2: but yeah. it, it hasn't gotten to that level. But yeah, i I've I think I've done it once where the offender will sit out and everybody else will run. But mm. you know, I I don't I think that's you kind of you have to have the right team to be able mm-hmm. to do that. Just because I think you kind of get into that, then the other guys will bully him afterwards, and yeah. I'm not interested in that either.
1: Right. Um, I've seen that.
0: So. Coach, thank you so much. It was a fantastic season. It was great to see it end on TV like that. It was. I'm a Pitt State guy, and uh, things haven't been going so well on the on the football or the basketball side against you guys for a few years, but. Coach Anderson will be down there. I'm glad you
1: said that after the interview and not before because he might have not even (laughs) spoken to you I'm glad that didn't come out.
0: And no questions (laughs) at all. So, Coach Anderson will be down there, and I think it'll be, we're going to get it on again.
1: That's what, uh, but you walk around town, they got to be coming up to you and be like, you're the the champion. You're the champion.
0: Maryville's a great town, isn't it? It was like
2: that. It was, you know, I got back the Sunday after and went to Walmart and. I couldn't get through Walmart. It was you know, but see we've we've been to four straight Street, sixteen yeah. fire and and lost to the national champions by one and lost in overtime another time and so so we've been right there. So for us, you know, I guess this was the result of all that, but um, we understood that, that we were right at that level prior. And and with basketball, national championships involve some luck, you know, they involve certain matchups um, we had a team this year that it really didn't matter the matchup. We, we were, we were pretty good against whatever we faced and, and um, you know, I had teams in the past where if we got a bad matchup, it, it was going to be a problem, but this team could handle anything. And, and um, you know, I think that speaks to the kind of kids that we have, the toughness that they have and, and the way they were raised. And so, you know, we were, we were fortunate enough to coach the kind of kids we have and, and uh, hopefully we continue to get them. What I
1: admire you at this, Coach, is you mentioned the first two years you got struggled, and there's pressure to win, and you could have been fired, but you stayed true to what you believed in, in your process, and you didn't waver, and you still don't waver. So to me, I commend you for that because you've stayed true to who you are, and through time it's come out to be successful. But a lot of individuals, when those first couple of years, they're like trying to figure out, maybe we go ahead and make this decision or that decision doesn't fit us just to get by or get to where we need to go and take that shortcut. And listening to you and hearing about you, you don't do that. So I respect you, your program, and I wish you much success in the future as well.
2: Well, I, I really appreciate that, and I appreciate you guys having me on. I I uh... I you know I appreciate all you guys do for for basketball and that's that's important obviously to
1: these kids so thanks a lot guys all right take care God bless coach thanks coach Be good. thank you
0: uh, so that wraps up another day Jimmy you're gonna go home you're gonna take a nap you're gonna apologize no to your not wife. a nap
1: I can't take a nap why not. You're telling me I'm going to take a nap. My wife is pretty much up throughout the entire night. Well, she's not, not home, right? No, she's home. Oh, she's okay. home. Oh, no, that, that better, doesn't go. That you got to go, go home,
0: no. do the laundry. You got to go. I would have to take a nap at a park. Do That's the, where I'd have to go <laughs>
1: <laughs> somewhere like that, and, and sit in my car and be in
0: the back seat until I'm running errands or something. That's what I need you, to you do. You can wake up a cop knocking on the window. <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy. Hey. What the, are you doing? I'm taking a nap. My wife. <laughs> <laughs> I can't go home, officer. they would be like, uh-huh. I understand completely. You stay here, sir. It all is well. I wish I could live with you guys.